Hello, everyone. Welcome to Podcast 18 of The Inconvenient Goddess. I am James Ahrens, the ADHD author and veterinarian, introducing Chapter 18 of my book, The Inconvenient Goddess, a time travel story where a modern-day veterinarian finds herself mistaken as a goddess when an explosion sends her back to the time of the Egyptian pharaohs. As Katie is nursed from near death by her ancient caregivers, she begins to realize she is in a very foreign place. She can remember being wounded and hiding in the Lelish temple, but everything is foggy after the explosion that knocked her unconscious. Understandably, her mind cannot comprehend she's been catapulted through time. Katie is recovering in the year 1328 B.C. It isn't until she wanders outside looking for the North Star that Katie understands her dilemma. Being of Navajo descent, Katie knows the star patterns well. The Diné's most revered constellations involve the North Star. They call it Nahoko's Biko, which means central fire. It is the cosmic center of the Navajo night sky and represents the central hearth of the Hogan. In the sky, it burns between the Big Dipper, the Great Father Hunter, and Cassiopeia, the Great Mother Provider. However, over thousands of years, the Earth's tilt had changed, and Katie couldn't find her bearings in the splay of stars that swirled above her. Thuban was the stationary North Star she gazed upon now and Draco, the dragon constellation, ruled the northern sky as it circled around the ancient north star. The Egyptian pyramids were designed to have one side facing north, with an entrance passage geometrically aligned so that Thuban would be visible at night. Thuban means head of the serpent. Draco was the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Katie had begun to suspect her confusion was not just the after-effects of her injury. The alien night sky, in its ancient majesty, finally convinced Katie she was not only in a strange place, but in a very different time. Chapter 18 Ancient Reality What happened to me, Renee? What happened to us? They shot me, right here. Look! Renee lifted his shirt. Sure enough, he had a five-inch scar along the right side of his belly. The scab had fallen away revealing a shiny pink lesion. It would slowly change into a hardened, gnarled scar, one that would offer unlimited tales. I'm having a hard time talking to these people, Katie. What about you? Words are starting to come easier, but I do not understand the language they use, Renee. I have been making some progress using Dene. He stopped. She stopped. So did the parade. Katie, we need a reality check. I think we may never get home. She looked at him in disbelief. He was usually so optimistic about things. This wasn't like him. What are you talking about? Do you think they're not looking for us? Katie, look around you and think. There are no cars, no telephones, no ham radios, no power poles, no television antennas, no airplanes, no streetlights, no post office, no banks, no police stations, and no phone booths. I've been here wandering around, which is hard with the watch I'm under, but I've been checking things out, and I do not understand where we are. It's as if we're in an undiscovered place, as if time stood still here. Renee, this is nonsense. We are in a mountain community in northern Iraq in the Kabr Triangle. Fair enough, Katie. I'll give you the location. 
what I am suggesting is this is no longer the 21st century. That's just crap. What brew are you drinking now? Ow, I'm hurting. Come on, let's get inside. I need to get off my feet. The parade started and didn't stop until everyone was safely inside the temple walls. Rabea and Tefani supported the tired goddess back to her room, and Renée followed. Here, make yourself at home, Renée. I have to lie down for a while. Renée looked at her quizzically. Katie, do you think this is your temple? They're acting like it is. Well, I know it's not, but this is where they have been keeping me. I'm just so glad you're here. Actually, I'm surprised you haven't gone crazy. This is just too weird. I don't know what I would do if I hadn't found you. How do you do it, Renée, with no one to talk to? I've been sleeping or incoherent for most of the time I've been here. But these last few days, I didn't know if I could keep going. My only plan was to get better and find you. Renée sat listening. He knew he would eventually convince her, but she must work it out at her own speed. Her scientific training left no room for this science fiction stuff, especially time travel. Listening to and supporting her was the best thing he could do right now. So help me with this, Renée. Were you the one who came in to help when I was sick? Yes, he said proudly. Who's that other priest? Nabil, is that his name? I think so. That's what I've heard people call him. Well, Nabil brought me to this room to help. Wait, Renée, back up. How did you come here? Where did they find you? They found me on a different day from when they found you. Well, that makes little sense. I gave up trying to make sense of this a while ago, Renée said. I'm still not sure this isn't just a very long dream. I propose we put the problem of destination in Chapter 2 of our time travel handbook. I'm still writing the first chapter, Finding Your Bearings. Renée, people can't travel through time. I haven't come up with any other explanation, Katie. But ultimately, it makes no difference how we got here if we can't find our way back. He was right. Okay, so how were you able to help me that day when I was so sick? How did you know what to do? You had an abscess, just like my mama used get in their udders, but deeper seated. The front of your shoulder was blue from infection. I could see it was poisoning you. The blue veins spread the toxins to the rest of your body, so I pushed on the area and felt for the soft spot. Oh, so you drained my abscess. Well, thanks, Renee. I don't think they intended to let us see each other, but they didn't have a clue what to do. They reconsidered when they realized they weren't accomplishing anything. I was the last chance to save you. It was cool. Once I found a knife, it was easy, like looking for the ripest part of the fruit. As he spoke, she realized she had seen no type of tool or instrument since she had been here. Where did you find a knife, Renée? He stopped talking and looked at her. He smiled. I knew I must open the pus pocket, but I saw nothing in the room with a point, so I stood over you and made a stabbing motion. So they understood what you wanted? No, they about fell over dead. The priests looked at me with their mouths open. I'm sure they thought I wanted to kill you. She covered her face with her hands, shaking with laughter. I'm really lucky you haven't gone crazy, Renée. She grabbed him and pulled him close to her. Somehow they realized I could help, that you needed me, that there was a reason we had come here together. Mudad finally returned with a knife. I pushed the tip into the soft spot and yellow-green smelly custard oozed out. But I was afraid we might not have gotten it all out. You know, with the U's, their udders always hang down. It makes it easy when I open an udder, because it drips and drains itself from gravity. But with you, I wasn't sure about getting it all out, so we turned you 
face down for a half hour, until the custard stopped dripping and only red blood came out. The thing that worries me, Renee, is how they would have handled this if you weren't here. Would they have left me to die? I don't know. No one could watch when I pushed the blade in your skin. I was looking around for someone to say, Go for it. You're doing okay. But the priests never lifted their eyes from the floor. I think it made them uncomfortable. I don't know if they could have done that for you. That woman was the only one who watched me do it, but I don't think she has any power here. He pointed to Rebea, who was hovering close to Katie. Oh, that's Rebea, Katie gestured toward both of them. Renee, meet Rebea, she said in English. Rebea, this is my friend Renee. Rebea and Renee nodded at each other politely. You know, Renee, maybe they don't have doctors. You would expect someone here with some kind of healing powers or something, he said. Well, I think that's Mudad, Katie said. That's right. Nabil helped Mudad fit you with a crutch and supervised the bandaging. He's the doctor, Katie. Maybe he just isn't a surgeon. Renee, either you're a doctor or you're not. Don't be so sure, Katie. We are in a different reality here. I haven't found a guidebook for living in this place yet. He was right again, but she didn't want to see it because she couldn't handle the answers. The options this suggested were unimaginable. Katie felt like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, except she was clicking her heels together and repeating, there's no such thing as time travel, over and over in her head. She just refused to entertain the thought today. She would figure it out tomorrow. Outside, Mudad was furious at his loss of control, as he stood with Nabil watching the crowd disperse. Heavy, wet snow began to fall, and the deepening slush muffled their footsteps. Mudad, Nabil intoned, hesitating, acutely aware his superior would not be taking this next news well. I've received word. Our royal guests will be here a day early. They've been running ahead of the storm. Mudad's head dropped. He shook his head as he watched his day fall, from any semblance of order, to shatter on the ground in a million pieces. I knew this was coming, but I forgot about it with all the stress about Ishtar. Why didn't you remind me earlier? How soon will they be here? Midday, tomorrow. Their advance guards are already here. I assume you have the rooms ready for the queen? Yes. Excellent. Thank you, Nabil. Mudad felt better hearing this. He smiled and motioned for Nabil to come closer. Tushrata left this matter to the queen, he whispered. It suggests this is not such a big thing in the king's mind. Now it won't be such an insult to the crown if they aren't staying in the royal quarters of the temple. I didn't want to move Ishtar. Can you find Rabea and Tifani? We must have a strategy meeting. Katie fell into a deep sleep and Renee left. When she woke, she felt renewed and ready for another walk outside. Tifani came when she saw her searching for the crutch. Do you need help, my goddess? Katie nodded and Tifani gathered the crutch and a shawl. I want to wander about outside, just you and I. Here, pull the shawl higher, all the way over my head. People won't notice me. They'll think I'm a married nobody. Katie and Tifani were successful in staying undercover, meandering freely. It was dark, and the wet snowfall quickly turned to slush on the ground. At first, the quiet felt peaceful, but it was too quiet. Then Katie remembered what Renee said about mechanical noises. She closed her eyes to focus on her ears hearing the drip of melting snow falling from tree limbs and buildings, children crying, a donkey braying, and dogs barking. But still, no sound of any machinery, just as he said. Katie looked about for trash, like pieces of metal, electrical wires, rubber, beer bottles, or any kind of plastic. There was nothing that would tell her she was in modern times. But what about the brucellosis study, she thought. What about Alex and Tahar? 
Rene says they are not here. Maybe he's right. Are we really in a different time? She couldn't accept the idea. It defied all logic and was scientifically impossible, the two things Katie depended on most in her life. The wind picked up and blew, cold from the north, hard enough to shake the bare branches. Katie looked up when the clouds parted for reassurance from the stars. She could always count on those beacons of unchanging certainty, their images bringing forth memories of heroes and epics that shaped Katie's civilization long ago. The bright sentinels piercing the darkness would forever proclaim the truth and sanctity of the divine myths. She automatically looked for the guiding light of the North Star. Oh my God, she thought. Where is the North Star? It always dominated this black diorama. With this beacon of immutability gone, Katie felt betrayed. She cast her gaze wider. Maybe it was in a different place in the sky. No matter where she looked, she couldn't find her star or any other constellation she recognized. The night sky that was so familiar was now utterly foreign to her. Dumbfounded, unable to think, Katie returned to her room, the only familiar place in the entire world for her. She crawled into her bed and pulled the surrounding blankets tight. Tiffany, following behind, understood something was wrong and left the unreachable woman alone. Renee woke her cheerfully the next morning. Good morning, sleeping beauty. Welcome to your sixth day of coherency. She smiled. What else could she do? So, how are you doing today? Do you finally believe we're back in time? A long way back? Maybe so. I discovered something disconcerting last night, Renee. I couldn't find the North Star. Do you know what that means? Um, it was cloudy? No, you doofus. It means you're right. We are living in a different time and probably the past. The Earth's axis is tilted differently. Oh, okay, good. Now, suspend any further disbelief. Don't think, Katie. Don't overanalyze. Otherwise, doubt oozes back. I think we are in the same place we were hiding when the explosion happened. The temple is much the same. And we were found in the altar room in the back. I know, she said, as she allowed the facts to filter deeper even the ones not making any sense. She began to picture herself with René, way back in the past. Close your eyes, he directed. She sighed and closed them. What's the first thing you want to do? Go back home. And how are you going to go back home, Katie? By finding out how we got here. We can repeat our movements, only backward. Okay, but once we find the door, or whatever, how do we know it still works? And what was the mechanism that sent us through it? And if the time transporter, or whatever, works, will it drop us right back where we started, or somewhere else, or in some other time? You know, Katie, we aren't actors in a movie, or characters in a book. We have to follow rules of common sense, or try to make sense of the ones that no longer seem so common. So what year do you think we are in, Professor? The only metal things I see are copper or bronze. I haven't found any iron yet. So I'd say we're somewhere between 2000 and 1000 B.C. That shut her right back down instantly. I can't believe this, Renee. This is crazy, and we're certifiable. None of this makes sense, and what scares me to death is I see no way to get out of this. This is not a game. A weird, ugly, malevolent energy pushed us here. We might as well have been shipped to another world. We're screwed. Welcome to stage three of your convalescence, Renee said quietly. Neither spoke for a long time. What was it like for you, Katie? What, getting shot? Almost dying? Yeah. Are you okay with it? I mean, can we talk about it? 
She smiled and took a deep breath while she thought about what she remembered of her last few weeks. You know, Renee, for me it was just something that happened. I knew we were in danger, and I knew it was time to leave, but I thought we forgot someone. I thought I heard something, someone yelling at me, for me, so I hesitated, but I took too long. She paused expressionless, looking inward. And when the shooting started, the bullets were zinging right past me. I felt one fly by my head. It paralyzed me. I didn't know which way to run or where to hide. I just stood still, and I couldn't breathe. I was so scared I forgot to breathe. But what a chemical rush I felt. The epinephrine, the endorphins, the electricity flowing through me. I didn't even feel any pain when the bullets hit me. Not until later, a long time later. I guess that's what happens when you're in shock. Maybe so, Renee said. I was painless for a while, too. Katie's recollections were still flooding her head. I stood up, and I think a bullet hit my shoulder. Something hit me so hard it spun me around, and right after another bullet hit my thigh and I fell down. It's funny, though. It didn't frighten me. Oh, sure. I knew I was in deep shit and all, but I didn't get all frantic. Well, I guess we're in that exclusive club now, Renee said, where all the members have to have bullet wounds. You know, Renee, I gotta hand it to you. You haven't gone crazy. That's what you think. She smiled and hugged him. She began to cry. It felt so good to have him with her again. She laughed inside when she thought how sick of him she was on the plane ride to Iraq. Yeah, Katie, I'm amazed myself. But things may have been different for me if I didn't know you were here. How long have you known? Right after they found me, they attached that guy, Sadat, to keep an eye on me. It took a week for me to understand him at all. He told me about you. They were so busy with you, they didn't have time to check up on me. Not hurt as badly as you, I was up and keeping tabs on you from the start. How do you think they see us, Renee? They've treated us well so far. But maybe they're just fattening us up, you know? They heard a noise at the door and looked up to see both Tiffany and Rabea come in, carrying clothes and food. They don't seem too concerned, Katie. I bet you this is all some low-level formality, and no one will remember us tomorrow anyway. Well, I don't want to be forgotten until I'm looking back, waving goodbye, so don't get too cocky. So far, we seem to have made everyone our friends. Hopefully, we will fit in, or at least not stick out so much. Then, we have to find our way home. End of chapter. Thank you for listening. You can follow the story on my blog, jeadvm.com. Once on my blog's front page, go to the menu, pick My Books, and select Katie Becomes Ishtar. That'll take you to the Ancient Katie series of books. Inconvenient Goddess can be purchased as an old-fashioned paper book, or an e-book, as well as an audiobook set or can be downloaded from the audiobook site Spotify. More details are on my website, jeadvm.com.